kicking more balls than an Andrew Davies tackle, whilst displaying more honesty than James Dornan's Twitter feed. Hello and welcome to the very first Jersnet podcast. So Rangers show some metal in the steel town of Motherwell to get a share of the spoils after a disastrous start. We'll look at all the major talking points from a dramatic game at Fur Park. Also, Greg Marshall, the Rangers supporters liaison officer, posted a photo on Twitter on Saturday showing a huge number of stewards for the game. We'll ask if this level of stewarding is required and look at why football fans in this country are still treated as second-class citizens. And finally, are you bored of having to deal with the likes of Chris Sutton and Andy Walker when they are covering Rangers games? We'll look at the poor standard of pundits in this country and ask why do BT and Sky persist with these guys and do supporters who can't make the game have better alternatives to watch their team play. Your Jersnet podcast host this week is me, Colin Armstrong, and joining me in the very first podcast this week to cover the topics mentioned are Stuart Franklin and Ross Bennett. Hello guys, how are we doing? I'm very well, Colin, thanks very much. Evening Colin, how are you doing? Not bad, Ross, not bad, Stuart, have you had a nice Easter? Oh, absolutely lovely. Chocolate <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, not too bad. A nice bit of lamb today, but um, lamb's to the slaughter yesterday. <laughs> well, uh, in the first first half, certainly was. Uh, before we go on, I, I think we should we should give a mention, obviously, to Ray Wilkins, uh, who has suffered a, a heart attack and is fighting well, fighting for his life at the moment in a hospital in London. Uh, I remember Ray well. Uh, I was I was I was at a a few games when he was there, but I remember particularly his, his last game for Rangers against Dunfermline, uh, and he, he, he gave a terrific ball to Morris Johnson that day. He scored, I think it was, it was either the first or the second goal. A very popular player amongst the supporters, and you know he, he gets all our wishes here from from Jersnet. I'm sure you guys would agree. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm uh, I'm a wee bit young to have seen have seen Ray playing for Rangers, but. Uh, looking at the messages that have poured in, not just from Rangers or even the clubs that he's played for, but from across all of football, it seems that no one's got a bad word to say about the guy. So I think we're all we're all thinking of him at this time. Yeah, well, I think um, the, the attitude he showed in the park when he played, especially at Rangers, um, shows I'm sure he'll, he'll be doing the same, fighting for his life and we all wish him the very best from everybody at Jersnet. Uh, also, we mentioned for Stuart Pedley, who was uh, Broxy who sadly passed away. I believe he was only 44. So again, uh, sympathies to his family from all of us here. Uh, of course, this is the very first Jersnet podcast. Uh, if you're enjoying it and you like what you hear, please, by all means, share it on the usual forums. Sure. What, what are those forums going to be? Could you give us a wee bit of insight? Sure. Um, the pod will be primarily available from our main site to start with, but um, it'll also be featured on YouTube and as well as iTunes, and there should be links on Acast, and I'm hoping Google Music as well over the next uh, week or so. Um, it might take us a, a few weeks just to get going in terms of exactly where, where it's hosted, but we'll, we'll have that sorted in due course. For folk listening, this will be the first time that they've heard us, but you know, we've kind of been like the Beatles in Hamburg. 
for the last few weeks, you know, honing our skills and all the rest of it to get to the, the polished product that we have today. So hopefully everything goes well. Uh, right on to the, the game on Saturday against Muddle. Uh, obviously a lot of talking points and absolutely a really good game, actually, if I'm being honest. I thought it was an excellent game. I had a bit of a disaster. Uh, I was watching the game at home on the telly. I left the house at half time to pop to the local shop. I came in three minutes of the second half and it was 2-1. So I rewound my Sky Plus to see the goal and then pressed the button to go back to real time and it was <laughs> it was two each. So I missed both goals. I missed both Rangers goals. So a bit of a disaster for myself. But uh, in, in terms of the game itself, how, how, how were we feeling about it? That was pretty much a game of two halves, wasn't it? I mean, the first half we carried on where we left off against Kilmarnock and playing dreadful, to be honest, uh, especially at the back. Uh, the, the team, I mean, Murty set the team out as, as his preferred 4-2-3-1. Um, it's not the side I would have started with. It was pleasing to see Graham Dorans back in. I'm sure you've got to touch on that later. Um, but early on, it took him a while just to get into the game. Docherty struggled and our set of defence pairing were, were dreadful. So we were 2-0 down before before the game really started, to be honest. And um, I think we only had one shot and goal in the first half. Uh, Trevor Carson made a good save. But in saying that, Motherwell could have scored a third and hit the bar near half-time. And if they'd scored a third, I think they were out of sight. Uh, fortunately, second half, we we, we rallied. Um, we played better. I mean, I don't think it was difficult to do that. But to be fair to the team, they did play well for the first 25, 30 minutes of the second half. And I think, actually, we should have went on and won the game. But Motherwell will point to them hitting the bar again in the second half. So perhaps a draw was a fair result in the end. Ross, uh, Stuart mentioned there about Do- uh, Doran's return and I was a wee bit surprised to see him starting, I must admit, given the amount of time he's been out. Uh, I, I thought he's, he's come back would have been from the bench. Uh, do you think Marty got that right? I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm not quite so sure. Uh, and what did you make of his, his, his sort of selection overall? Look, I'm, I'm surprised that he came straight back in. He's been out since, what, 25th of October? So uh, he's he's had a long, long time sitting out and, and getting himself fit again. I think probably the only reason that he did start was because the last two games against Kilmarnock and against Celtic have been the two poorest games that Sean Goss has had for us. Um, and I think Sean Goss, in a way, kind of played himself out of the team. And it was probably a wee bit of a toss-up between who do you get in to replace him? Do you bring in Graham Dorans or do you bring in Ross McCrory? Um, he's gone for Dorans. Possibly unwisely because I think it left us with no kind of midfield protection for the back four, and that kind of made a really telling difference in the first half in particular. I don't think Dorans necessarily had a bad game, but I think there were periods where he was anonymous. But look, this is a guy who's been out for what best part of six months, uh, and and was never going to be up to to full fitness in a game that was going to be physical from the outset. Um, I can see why he's brought him back in because Goss did have a few. A few poor games, but it's it's just not worked out. I mean, I, I get the the fact that Goss has, has sort of struggled the last two or three games. It, it just seemed like, especially to, you know, when you consider the the sort of physicality that you were mentioning there, we know what Motherwell were about, especially like earlier on in the season at the semi final. You know, they they bullied us that day. So I think you know what you're expecting, and I think based on that, I thought it was a hard game. To bring him back in. Uh, that said, I, he, he kind of grew into the game. I thought the longer the game went on, he, he, he seemed to pick his 
you know, his performance levels increased. And initially, as you said, Ross, I thought he looked fairly anonymous at times. But the longer the game went on, he seemed to, his, his, his uh, overall display improved, which goes against what you would expect from someone who's been out from that length of time. Around about the hour mark, I was thinking, you know, get him subbed, you know, get someone else on there. But at that point, his, his sort of performance level kicked in. Uh, Frankie, you, you talked about the poor start there. The centre half pairing. Uh, now I've got to say I like I like Russell Martin since he's arrived at the club. I think he's he's looked a, a, a decent acquisition. I thought he was really poor on Saturday though, constantly getting caught on the wrong side of players. And Big Alves, I'm, I'm sorry we've spoke about him before, but I thought he was I thought he was horrific. That second goal, he looked so slow. And even if you are two or three yards behind and you can't, surely you, you put in some sort of challenge. You slide in and try and block the ball. It just, it just let the boy run through, in my opinion. I was watching the highlights of the game um, again today and I think three times in the first half, um, certainly both goals, the centre halves were, were both appalling. I mean, I th- in terms of Russell Martin, I thought he started off quite well when he joined the club. I was quite impressed with him. He seemed pretty good in the air. His positioning seemed good and he was also pretty good on the ball. Um, but the last two or three times he's played, um, I don't know if he's still unfit, but it, it looks like he's never seen the rest of the team before it, it, it gets pulled out of position far too often and because of that he then struggles to, to get back because obviously he lacks a bit of pace um, he's challenged for the penalty the fact, I mean, the, fact, the fact that you're saying it's the last two or three games is it maybe due to who he's playing alongside is that maybe part it's, of the problem? It's, it's a fair point I mean I was coming to Alves I mean, I mean Alves is an experienced player he's Played at the very highest level, and he's just not done it, Rangers. I'm, I'm not sure exactly why. I don't know if it's because he prefers playing um, as a as a three. But uh, again, um, I just mentioned Martin gets pulled out of position. Alves is the same, and I don't think I've ever seen Alves go to the ground. He never seems to make a tackle. Um, he's fairly good in the air. He wins a lot of balls in the air. Doesn't even seem to nobody's head in the ball sometimes but in terms of his, his overall game is is pretty poor um i don't think they were helped on uh, uh, yesterday with uh, the fact that we, we, we didn't have a defensive midfielder i think dorans and, and Doherty both struggled initially just because they've not played with each other and i mean motherwell were coming through us at well and that was shown by the second goal especially i mean i wasn't quite as Critically, Alves there. I think the guy came through at pace. I don't think it, many centre halves would have got back, but um, it just shows you how well David Bates has been doing recently. That we're probably missing him a wee bit. Ross, you were you were quite critical of Bates last week. So would you? Would you? I mean, surely you would have him in the team ahead of Alves. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know Stuart says that he's played at a very high level, and that's undeniable. But I, I think he looks well past his best now certainly in a Rangers jersey he doesn't look anything like the sort of player we thought we were getting oh no absolutely absolutely nothing like the player we thought we were getting but I've been the times that we've chatted amongst ourselves I've been very critical of David Bates um, I don't see what everyone else all this potential that everyone else seems to see in the guy but listen for yesterday's game Graham Murray didn't really have a choice about who he was playing in defence the defence kind of picked itself because he was never really going to start Fabio Cardozo, who seems to have turned into the Portuguese Rob Kiernan, who just cannot defend and is a bomb scare. So 
I think the defence picked itself, but you kind of touched on it there, that in the centre of defence, we have got two of the most experienced defenders we could ask for. We've got a guy who's played for Scotland, what, 22, 23 times, and a guy who's played for Portugal 95 times and is still starting for the European champions. And not just that, not just their experience. If you were going to pick two defenders in Scotland that you thought would do well up against a quite thuggish physical side like Motherwell, and the the centre-forwards that Motherwell have, who I thought did very well, by the way, they are really physical, really strong players. But you would bet your life that someone like Bruno Alves would be able to deal with that physicality. And they just got bullied. The pair of them got bullied. You're right to say that Russell Martin was pulled out of position. He was he was pulled this way and that. But you also have to take a look at Declan John there. Because I don't know if you guys noticed, the amount of times that they would spray the ball out to their right wing and Declan John was 20 yards away from his man. He was nowhere to be seen. Our defensive play was abysmal yesterday in the first half in particular. It was really, really shocking. And when half time came, we were kind of lucky that it was only two. I think we've been really, really let down by the standard of defending that we've had this season. There have always been kind of question marks over Tav's defending and he's definitely got better at it. Those same question marks can be applied to Declan John in that he's good going forward with the ball, but he's defensively suspect. But we've been really let down and really disappointed by guys that we thought we should be able to count on, like Bruno Alves and like Russell Martin. And I really do hope that that we're not signing Russell Martin. I'm critical of David Bates, but after yesterday, I'm looking forward to him coming back. Well, well you make an interesting point there regarding Tav and uh, Declan John. Is, is that maybe part of the problem? Because these are two guys that like to go forward. So they're, they're going forward a lot of the time. You know, Tav has got a good relationship with, with Candias on that right-hand side. And Declan John has something similar with Murphy on the left. Is it maybe the case that the, the, the two guys in the centre... You know, I mean, Alves is mid-30s, maybe late-30s now. Russell Martin's uh, similar. So, I mean, maybe asking these guys to cover too much ground. Is that maybe what it is? You know, you're you're leaving a bit of space on either side whenever we go forward and these guys are just not capable of covering that space. Yeah, I think, I think a lack of pace at centre-half is a big problem for us. Um, you're right to mention their ages. These guys aren't as sharp as they once were. And... We play attacking wing play. That's just the style we've been playing. And actually, we've been very good at it this season. We're good at putting crosses in the box. We're good at playing on the underlap or on the overlap. Um, But if you're playing that kind of system, and that's fine, it can be a very successful way of playing. You need to have at least one centre-back that has a bit of pace about him and not just someone that can win the ball in the air. Bruno Alves, I've seen stats saying that Bruno Alves wins the highest percentage of aerial battles in the whole of the Scottish Premier League. And so actually he's doing his base job really well. But you're right, they need to be able to to cover the fullbacks or we need to have a, a midfielder that will drop back and cover the fullbacks. And we've just not got that pace at centre-half and that's really costing us. I think that's where we've lost Ryan Jack and Ross McCrory um, in recent months. And clearly they're a, a bit more defensively minded than somebody like Dorans or even Greg Dockery. I think Dockett has been tasked with that job and I think he's grown into it a wee bit. I think he did a bit better in the second half. His distribution was poor in the second half, unfortunately, but he did cover better for Tav on that side. But um, I thought Ryan Jack was quite good at that earlier in the season and clearly uh, McCrory as well. They're both quick. Uh, they're both pretty mobile and they, they, they read the game well. So 
and, and this is that's also the benefit of Bates. Bates has got a bit more pace. So if Bates does get pulled out of position, and he does sometimes, he, he, he tacks balls that he probably shouldn't, um, but he's capable of getting back. The problem is if um, Martin or Alves go come deep for a ball, um, then they, they can't get back. And if John or Tav are, are in, um, in fast positions, then it's quite easy for teams to, to play into the channel. And Motherwell did that to quite good effect. Um, Bowman actually runs the channels quite well, although he's a, a big physical player. And Curtis Main, again, he's tall and big. And I expected Motherwell to be a wee bit more direct than they were at times. Both their goals came for direct play, but generally speaking, um, Main was dropping off the centre half, um, just at 10 or 15 yards. And, 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 he was, he was because, and a lot of the time, Martin or Alves didn't know whether to go with him or not. And I think that's what caused a lot of the confusion in the first half, especially. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't disagree with, with much of what you said there, Stuart, to be honest. I mean, in, in terms of an overall performance, uh, the first half was, was was way short in terms of you know what you would expect from a Rangers team, especially defensively. That said, even although I missed the two goals, as I said earlier, you know they, they came out fighting in the second half. Uh, after, after, I, I, I was, as I said, I came out late. I came in and it was 2-1 and then I missed the second goal as well. So when it went to each, you know, all of a sudden... I have to say, I mean, I know in previous conversations we've had, we've, we've pointed out the sort of flaws that, that that's in uh, Morelos' game. I thought he played extremely well yesterday. I, I thought he was he was physical. He, he worked hard. Uh, done the channels very well. Done done the sort of ugly side of the stuff. But again, we saw the sort of things in his game that that need to be improved upon. I mean, that one at the end when he took a shot from a, a ridiculous angle. You know that stuff like that needs to be worked on. But overall, I, I would have sort of said Morelos uh, was, was arguably our, our, our best player yesterday. Uh, so I, I, it was really a game of two halves. I thought first half was horrific. Second half, a, a lot, uh, you know, to be positive about. On Morelos, Ross, is there a player there? Well, I'm a fan of the guy. I think he's a, a natural goal scorer. Um, but yesterday he he infuriated me. I was absolutely, especially that that opportunity at the end where he he picked up the ball and and lashed it at the side of the net from an impossible angle. Was never going to score. It, it it made me absolutely livid because I think all the best strikers have to have an arrogance about them. But Morelos seems not to have an arrogance but a selfishness. And there were a couple of opportunities there where. He gets the ball and it doesn't matter where he is on the park. All he's thinking about is shooting. And it it, it really did not help the team. There was some really selfish play um, where he 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 wasn't being... And actually, Ali McCoy said it himself, he's not being a team player. And it's a simple thing, but it could have made such a big impact. He's, he's scored some wonderful goals this season. He's been a real find and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him. But yesterday was probably the the first time I've come away f- feeling really disappointed in what he what he performed, what he produced for us. I think you've been a bit harsh there, Ross, in terms of selfishness. Um, I think it was frustration at the end for for Alfredo. I think he, I thought he was excellent. I agree with Colin. Um, I thought he played really well. He led the line second half, especially he led the line very well. Um, the, the guy that was was marking him, uh, Aldred, is a decent player. Paddy McGuinness lookalike. Seemed to be he was a strange looking fella, but um, the many times Morelos took the ball in under a lot of pressure and then managed to feed it out to 
to uh, Murphy or uh, Candia, so it was, it was excellent. And yeah, the chance at the end, well, it wasn't a chance at all, was it? Um, clearly, he was he was frustrated because I think earlier in the game, maybe five or two minutes before that, he got played in. Um, Candias and Candias ended up shooting and didn't really take it very well. And I think I think Morelos was was um, was frustrated at that. And to be honest, the decision making at times throughout the season by a lot of people in the team, especially the forward line, is is something that concerns me greatly. It happened three or four times yesterday. We were in good positions. And we picked the wrong pass, or as I say, Candias and Morelos both chose to shoot from the corner of the box when they were high tariff um, efforts, to be honest. Um, and saying that, I mean, well, I think we'll remember the, the goal that Morelos scored at Easter Road, and then I think he, he scored a similar one at Ibrox, we're pretty much on the byline, forget, I mean, against Dundee. So he's got it in his locker, but I think he's got, he's got to pick and choose when he does it, and that was the wrong time yesterday. But in terms of, uh, uh, our, our team Morelos is the first name on the team sheet for me I think he's fantastic I, I mean again as, as we've discussed Morelos in, in our sort of previous chats I agree a lot with what you're saying there but I, I think Ross raises a valid point about the sort of selfishness that's in his game a mate of mine texted me I think it was the Air United game uh, and a mate of mine texted me uh, sort of 50-60 minutes in and to tell me that he was convinced that Alfredo Morelos was deliberately not passing to Jason Cummins. And I'm, I don't want to accuse the guy of that, but there is definitely a selfishness in his game that is is undermining a lot of the good stuff that we do. And that was a, that was a typical example of it yesterday. Uh, so kind of stuck in the middle with sort of both of what you were saying there. On to Cummins, though. I, I must admit, when I saw the team yesterday, I, I felt for the lad. Uh, I... I you know, he's been here what, six, seven weeks now and only getting 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there because Marty, as we'll, we'll, we'll cover later, is very reluctant to make substitutions at any point during the game. So have, have Rangers really decided that this boy's for next season? Is that is that the way it's looking? Because he, the guy can't score goals if he's sitting on the bench at the end of the day, you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling for Cummins and I felt when he came on yesterday. I thought he had a bigger impact in the game than Windass has had. I thought he found nice wee pockets of space, uh, dropping deep to, to to sort of join up the middle to front. I, I just I don't know what the guy's got to do to get a game. To be fair to you, I think sitting at home, I had more of an impact on that game than Josh Windass did. Um, I think you're right to say, what's this guy got to do to get a chance? And he's had a couple of chances in the cup. He put three past Falkirk. I've said before to the, to the pair of you, I would love to see Morelos and Cummings given a chance to, to really develop a good old-fashioned strike partnership. I know that means tweaking the formation, which seems something that you know Murty will, will never want to do. But I would love to see the pair of them... You know, We've seen that Morelos can be one hell of a creator. He can drop really deep. He can hold the ball well. He can play back to goal. And he can bring teammates into play when he wants to. So I would love to see him do that and, and Cummins running off the ball and and playing a killer pass through, I think there's elements there of, of each of their play that could really complement each other. Um, I think it's time that we stop persisting with Josh Windass, who's a man who's maybe had 10 good games in the, uh, in the period that he's been with us now over two seasons uh, and go back to a slightly more, possibly more old-fashioned, traditional 4-4-2. Um, but I'm just not sure that's something that Graham Murray's ever going to 
ever going to look towards. It's 4 4 2, the answer, Stuart. That's a tricky one. Um, I think um, yesterday in the first half, you've seen what can happen if you're outnumbered in, in central midfield. And if we're only playing two in the centre and the other teams are going with three, then it can be be very tough. Um, I think you can. We, can we've, we have used the diamond there in the season. Um, I, was, I thought he might have used it yesterday, to be honest. Uh, and that'll give them the option of playing Cummins and Morelos. Um, or they can play Cummins on the left. They played him on the left against Falkirk in the Cup. But I think it maybe comes back to Windass. Um, it looked like quite a sore when he got yesterday. So it might well be that he can't play next week. And if that's the case, then you can either go with the diamond and bring McCrory into the team. Um, or you can uh, use Cummins um, in the, in the Windass role. And he can play just off Morelos and look to get onto the Charles. Morelos can, can come short for the ball goes out to the wide men and then it can come into to Cummins because this is that's the only issue that I have now again with the team is that I, I don't mind the four two three one, but I think it's pre- quite predictable and it leaves us short in attack. We don't have enough bodies in attack at times and we can be a bit laboured um, in possession, especially I box when teams sit deep. We need to try and play a bit quicker. So I think the deal give us an opportunity to to go with two up front next week. And it'll be interesting to, to see um what kind of formation Murray uses to do that. Well, the Dundee game, just going to come on to that. I was looking at the table earlier on today and, you know, when you when you consider that, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were going into the game against Celtic thinking there's a small possibility that there could be a title race on. You know, looking at the table now, we're, we're sitting on 59 points uh, after 32 games. Aberdeen are on the same amount of points, having played a game less. And Hibs are four points behind us, having played a game less. We're now actually, we're in a dogfight here, you know, there, there, there is a real possibility that we could finish fourth and, and miss out on a spot in Europe. That, that's got to be the, the disaster scenario, surely. I mean, if Rangers don't get into, you know, European football next year, that, that would be a, a, a shocking state of affairs. I mean, it would be, it's unthinkable in a way. You actually almost think, if it looks like we're heading that way, if we then get put out of the Scottish Cup to Celtic, do you find yourself wanting Celtic to win the Scottish Cup so that they kind of they've already taken that European place and that drops down and we sneak into Europe that way? It's actually kind of sickening to think, you know, we're having to think of these these permutations just to try and work our way back into Europe. But that's that's a legacy of twenty twelve, isn't it? I think we've got to give the other team some credit. Uh, we've we've been really inconsistent. Um, Aberdeen keep doing the business though. Hibs keep doing the business and come on. It could have been fantastic under Steve Clark. I think they're, they're probably the best team in the league just now in terms of form. Uh, we, we noticed that last week, or two weeks ago, sorry. So we've, we've not defined right to, to finish second. And I think the quicker the, the fans and certainly the players realise that, and we are in a dogfight, there's no doubt about it. You'd expect us to beat Dundee next week, so that's fine. However, you've then got the split. Um, I think we're due possibly to play three games at home. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest, but it's it's all up for grabs. Uh, Celtic's got to win the league now. Um, it's just a case of who finishes second or third. And if we don't start winning games, being uh, strong at the back and taking chances up front, then we could be the, the odd one out, so to speak. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, I, I find it hard to, to, to even contemplate that we're in this position, considering... You know, the sort of run we went on after January and, you know, all that sort of, you know, one point in the last nine is, is sort of 
brought that down to a sort of shuddering halt, so to speak. Back to Marty, uh, you know, and, and we were discussing earlier about you know the situation with, with Jason Cummins again yesterday. A real lack of ambition in terms of substitutions. I mean, I think only made a sub when Windass got injured. Am I, am I right in saying that? And then that was kind of later on in the game. I think it was it was after sort of the seventy minute mark. I mean, I, I think we can all agree now that he's he's not done enough to to warrant being you know appointed on a permanent basis. Does he need to review how he's he's managing games for the for the last six games? Because is he both suggested, you know, we're in a dogfight now, you know, to, to finish in the top three. It's all right saying once the players cross the white line, it's up to them. I think you have to to look at the, the manager at times as well. Does he have to review how he's been sort of managing games and, and change it from here on in? Well, I think you, know, you need to look at the last couple of games to, to see the, the effect or the lack of effect that Marty's having on the team. Um, before the game yesterday, I, was, I watched his press conference on the Rangers.co.uk and um, he, he seemed pretty positive that um, after a week's good training that the guys would be well up for the match. And it was the complete opposite. And that worries me when this type of thing happens, a complete lack of motivation. Um, to be fair, the, the, the players have to take their fair share of the blame. It's against Kilmarnock, we were dreadful. First half, dreadful. So, I mean, I'm not sure what manager would would would, um, would get any more out of them. But at the same time, if they're not doing the business, then you have to change it. And Marty doesn't change it. And, okay, who do you bring in? Do you bring guys like Halliday, Holt, Miller, Herrera in? Guys that obviously haven't really done the business this season. We're getting past it, in Miller's case. Well, possibly not, but because of, but because they've not played enough, then it's a vicious circle. So I, I was astonished yesterday when we only made the one sub. I think it was the 82nd or 83rd minute. Then Wimindas went off. And like you said earlier, Colin, I thought Doran definitely grew into the game. I thought he would go off after an hour and, and McCrory would come on. And I think in Marty's defence, the, the nature of the game is quite frenetic. I think it was quite... Uh, a bit of a risk, shall we say, that if you if you bring on a sub, that it might take them five minutes to get up to the pace of the game, and, and at that point you might have conceded a third goal. But at the same time, it's it's to say this this is an ongoing thing with Murray. This doesn't make subs, and there's been pragmatic, and there's just been completely at odds with how the game should be played. You need to make changes, whether it's to the formation or the personnel during games if you want to win. If, and I mean, I think even. Recently, when we played Hamilton in that game, we won 5-3. I'm sure in that game, we made two subs, and one of them was after we went 5-3 up. It's an ideal chance to get French players playing game time. I'm not saying your holidays and your dodos or whoever you want to pick are going to come on and play better or be a better choice for the start, but you've got to have them playing a wee bit more regular just to say, give you that bit more flexibility. I think... A lot of managers might have uh, might have made changes at halftime, but with Graham Murray, that was probably never going to happen. Maybe he kind of backed himself to deliver a motivational team talk, and actually, you know, you get to the fifty-fifth minute and we're, we've scored two goals. Maybe he's kind of justified in doing that. And actually, I think a lot of the time he's been rightfully criticised for not changing the game soon enough. But we were really dominant there for a while, probably up until. 70 minutes we were really the we had a lot of momentum and we were really pushing and it looked for a long time like we were going to go on and get that winner but I think after a while it, it kind of fell flat again Motherwell grew into the game 
after you know we'd had that spell of dominance and and whilst he probably was justified in in not making changes and persisting up until 65 70 minutes he had to make a change then and he had to bring on some fresh legs jason cummins was sat on the bench crying out for an opportunity to come on and and the fact that it took josh windask getting injured to to force marty to make a change is is really not good enough i don't know if it's naivety or if it's stubbornness or or what it is but I think every Rangers fan could see that something had to change at that point and, and Murty just wouldn't do it. I, I, I mean, one criticism I had of Mark Warburton uh, when he was when he was Rangers manager is, is he seemed to go into games in a very prescribed way. You know, he, he would make a, substitu- a substitution on 65 minutes. I think he used to make two. You know, and it seemed to me that he was going into games saying, at this point in the game, you're coming off, he's going on. And he wouldn't deviate from that regardless of how the game went and Murray seems to be the total opposite you know he's, he just seems to I'll, I'll just see how this how this goes and I, I don't think it's good enough for a Rangers manager I think you need to be able to read a game and see how a game's going and, and, and sort of react to the sort of peaks and flows because these are the, the things that, that ultimately win or lose your games if you know if you've got a manager there who sees how a game's developing and, and makes that, that, that change at that right time you know, it could be the change that brings in the, you know, three points instead of the one that we that we picked up on Saturday. Uh, one more issue before we, we wrap this up, and I'll sort of push for time. Uh, the refereeing, uh, I'll, I'll quickly run this past you. The first penalty for Motherwell, was it a penalty, yes or no? Yes. No. <laughs> no. I would, I, would, I, would, I would tend to agree with Ross on that one. I thought it was a bit soft. The Rangers penalty? No. No. Nah, I didn't no. think so either. Uh, the standard of refereeing this year, I mean, I don't want to go down the road of conspiracy and all that, but we have been on the wrong end of some some pretty poor uh, refereeing decisions this season. And I thought Saturday it was it was the same again. Some really, really, some poor stuff. Uh, how do, how do we, I mean, can it be fixed? You know, it just seems to me that the, the standard in this country is getting worse and worse. I think it's atrocious. This season it's been really, really poor. Um, Nick Walsh, the referee, you know, young lad, he seems to be the great white hope, the Scottish referee, and he had an appalling first 20 or 30 minutes. He booked Morales. I'm not sure exactly what for. He was getting fouled, got brought down. Morales did throw a bit of dissent, but I think he was booking him before the dissent anyway. And I still no idea why he booked him. Uh, as I said, I, I thought... I didn't think the, the Motherwell penalty was a penalty to begin with, I must admit. Uh, they did show different angles at half-time, which to me, it, I, I think, it was, it was definitely soft. Um, but Martin did dive in, he caught the guy, and he, he went down, and he looking for it, and I think if it had been our player, then I'd be looking for it as well. And it tended to be evened out in the second half anyway, because I'm still not sure where the foul came from for our penalty. Uh, Tavernier attacked the ball. The guy seemed to leave his leg and I think it was fortuitous that he got a touch on the ball and and then uh, Tavernier went down and I think there was contact afterwards. Maybe the referee seen that as, as foul play, but I thought it was I thought both penalties were very harsh. Um but I, I do think we were the luckier of the two teams to, to get one. But in terms of the, the general referee in this season, I mean we could have a, a um, we could sit and talk for an hour and a half on, on that quite easily. It's week after week. Um, ironically, I think the only decent referee in display I have seen was uh, Willie Collum in the, the game at Ibrox the other week against Celtic. I thought he had a decent game that day, but even then I thought he was awfully lenient. 
Um, there just seems a, a complete lack of consistency. What they seem, as a rule, fairly lenient for some challenges, and then the next minute um, they kind of get the red card out quick enough for other ones. Um, yeah, that's that's a disappointment. But um, I think um, I think we've got to look at our own play more than the the call of the referee. And I think if you win games, the referee doesn't really become as much an issue. And you're just not playing well enough to win games, uh, unfortunately. Ross, is the, the standard, how do you see it in terms of the referees this season? I think it's been abysmal. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe that there's anyone sat at, at Hampden, you know, thinking we need to send off Rangers players, we need to give penalties against them, we need to give fouls against them. And uh, I, I kind of, I don't buy into all that kind of thing. I genuinely think that the standard of refereeing in this country is is really poor and is not good enough. Um and, you know, I think that's probably borne out by the fact that Rangers fans are crying out, of, you know, that decisions are going against them. Neil Lennon was at it again the other week saying that uh, other teams get decisions that his team don't get. Brendan Rodgers has been saying the same thing. So I think actually it looks like every club is is taking grievances with refereeing in this country. And and at that point you have to, I hope that, that the SFA are, are taking notice of that and, and aren't being all defensive and I, I really hope that something can be done to to improve the standard I don't know if it's kind of the coaching and training of referees um, or if you know, the referees up here are crumbling under particularly vitriolic atmospheres I, I really don't have the answer but it's uh, yesterday was a really prime example of a referee who seemed to be making it up as he was going along um, I think Frankie's right to say I'm not entirely sure what what Morelos was booked for, um, he almost kind of had his the ref possibly had his card marked from from the get go, knowing that he's got a wee bit of a temper um, and that Motherwell were gonna were always gonna wind him up. So maybe he was a he was a marked man from the first whistle. But there were some really strange decisions yesterday, and I think it just comes down to a, an incompetence on the part of the referees. Agreed. Right, guys. On that note, we'll move on to the. The, the second topic. Uh, I don't know if any of you seen the tweet from uh, Greg, the the supporter liaison with the the, the stewarding. Did you see it? Yes. Um, this seems to be a never more common issue with access to, to to away grounds. I don't go to very many away games nowadays myself, unfortunately. But um, even at Ibrox now, you're you're getting searched uh, time after time and. It seems to be a case that, that, that football fans are treated differently from, from anybody else. I mean, this yesterday, I think there was five or six different lines of stewarding and ticketing checks before you actually got into the stadium. And then they were also banning flags and banners. It's just an absolute nonsense. And this is all political. This comes from the police, first and foremost. It's all about raising revenue. Obviously, the clubs only contribute a, a small percentage. But I think it's uh, the local councils that, that have to pay the rest. Um, the, the police are always looking for extra money and I think um, football fans are seen as, as easy meat and same with the, the clubs but as long as the clubs don't say anything then um, certainly publicly um, then, then we're always on to, to a loser there and I, 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 I did read that Greg had, had uh, was going to submit a report on what happened yesterday um, whether or not we hear any more about that or any see any changes I'm not so sure but as I say, it just seems um, just like 
an exaggeration uh, what, what they put in place. By all means, there's some people that go to football games that act like idiots um, for every club, um, but the vast majority are fine. So just look for the, the idiots, deal with them early doors, and let the rest just go by their business and enjoy themselves. Yeah, I would agree with that, Stuart. I mean, I've, I've been to, I've been to, I'm like yourself, I don't go to a great amount of away games. I've been to two this season, but I've I never seen uh, anything. And I was at Easter Road, which would you would imagine would be quite a high-profile fixture for the police. I never had to go through anything, you know, like the, 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 the pictures that came out of Fur Park on Saturday. Ross, should, should the club be getting involved in this, or, or, or Club 1872? Because it seems to me that... <sighs> I mean, again, I don't want to go down the road that Rangers supporters are getting treated differently from anybody else, but you know, there, there does seem to be, when it comes down to us, there's there seems to be more more of a spotlight on on anything that happens amongst Rangers fans. I mean, the one that stuck that stuck out for me was the the cup final against Hibs. Now, I was standing there watching the Hibs fans on the park rioting, and a few rows in front of me, the, the police were filming the Rangers. Then, you know, filming our fans who were standing there not getting involved in anything so well at that point anyway so I mean should club well as I said earlier should club 1872 maybe be getting involved in this should the club themselves be, be speaking up and saying well you know what's going on here well I'm, I'm like I was at the uh, I was at the cup final as well against Hibs and I echo your experiences entirely and actually I also saw this the same thing happened when we played Motherwell um, in the, the championship playoff uh, when when they kind of stormed the pitch there and, and were goading us again, the uh, the stewards and the police had one thing on their mind, and that was keep your cameras on the big bad Rangers fans. Um, and it's it's a real shame actually. The last that was the last time I was at Fir Park. I wasn't there at the, at the weekend. The last time I was there was for the the playoff final, and I certainly don't remember going through four or five different lines of security checks. So something's changed in the past couple of years. I think to answer your question of what do we do to tackle it, I think the club and Club 1872 have a responsibility to, to raise this and to, to, to go about changing it, but they have to do that in different ways. I think the club have to be um, smart about how they do this, and I don't think it's right to play this kind of thing out in public from, a, from an official club perspective. I think the club should be making inquiries with Motherwell, should be making inquiries with uh, the local council, um, hopefully with the SFA and with Police Scotland. But I think it's right and dignified that the club should do that behind closed doors and we should go about our business in a professional capacity. Um, by all accounts, the kind of chief exec guy is at Alan Burrows over at Motherwell. Apparently, he's, a, he's actually a very professional guy to deal with. So uh, I know that Stuart Robertson used to work at Motherwell as well. Hopefully, there's good links there and we can kind of get some kind of dialogue and some explanation to see why it was so, you know, so extreme, such extreme measures. Um, hopefully the club can, can do that privately. But I think Club 1872 have an obligation to take this up in a more public way, um, to ask questions, uh, kind of pose things to the media, perhaps, to, to hopefully, obviously it'd be a much easier question if we had a compliant media like our friends across the city do. Um but I think it's something that the club and Club 1872 should be kind of tackling together, but via different streams. And I think actually we as fans have an obligation as well. And it would be really interesting for us to to keep an eye out to see, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, if Motherwell are going to host Celtic again this season. I don't 
pay that much attention to Celtic's fixture schedule. Um, but say if Motherwell, to, Motherwell were to, to scrape it into the top six, then they'll be hosting Celtic again at Fir Park. And it'll be really interesting to see if there's any kind of discrepancy there, because I'm sure that they'll probably sell out the away end as well. So do they get blocked from taking in fa- uh, flags and banners? Do they have to go through five different security checks? Or is it just because we're in town? Um, and if that's the case, if there is a kind of an uneven approach to, to policing these two clubs, that's when there are real questions to be asked. And uh, I think I think it'll be interesting. And I, I really hope that the club and Club 1872 will, will take it forward. And I, I have a lot of faith in, in Greg Marshall, the supporters liaison officer. I think he's actually done a lot of really good work um, in the short time that he's been with the club so far. He's definitely very approachable um, and, and easy to get in touch with if you need to. So I'm sure that he'll have had countless tweets, phone calls, emails, whatever to you know to complain about this and to ask questions. I have no doubt that he'll he'll pass these questions up and that that the club will take it forward. Yeah, I think I think you make a lot of good points here, Ross. Um, it's, it is difficult always in a game for the club to to speak publicly on on. As I say, this is a political issue in my view, so it's kind of tricky. Um, but I think Greg has been across this from the start, and I think that's probably why he posted the photo in the first place. I think he's quite clever. Um, I think now it is it falls on Club Seventy Two to to certainly get in touch with the, the the main stakeholders from the game on Saturday. I believe that Celtic did have the same issues uh, recently. The last time they were at Fir Park, um, I never seen the game. But um, I've seen on social media that they did have these checks uh, before for, before getting in. Whether or not they got their flags in, I'm not so sure because they had they seemed to get them into to Ibrox and cover our uh, hoardings easily enough. Um, but I think the clubs at 1832 need to get in contact with Motherwell. Like you see, Alan Burrows is usually uh, pretty helpful. Um, they need to get in contact with Lanarkshire Council and they need to get in touch with Police Scotland just to find out exactly what's going on. Not just because um, we, we don't want to treat it any different for anybody else, but the fact this is this is costing a lot of money, stewarding and policing. Um, I think I don't know if you guys were at Ibrox when there was a, a guy ran onto the park for the govern stand and sort of got to Wes Fotheringham's left hand goalpost. It was never shown in the papers or it was never on the on the um, the TV afterwards, but he was on the pitch for about I'd say at least a couple of minutes before he was actually accosted. And I spoke to the police after the game and asked what was going on there and why their officers didn't go on. They say they're not allowed to go on the pitch. They say it's down to the stewards. They just do the, the sort of outside the stadium and sort of down in the concourses. Uh, the actual pitch is down to the stewards. I think you also remember the, the game this time like last year against Party Thistle when we scored a late goal, Joe Garner. Yeah, the header and our players run on and there was a really funny video of one that there was a female steward standing with her arms out we're, 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 we're <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Fans. We're, and she's just not doing anything and I didn't blame her I wouldn't be trying to stop 30 uh, uh, young lads trying to run past me either uh, but as I say we're, we're paying the student companies a lot of money um, certainly be a six figure sum each year possibly a seven figure sum um, and they're not doing their job. I mean, the Scottish Cup final was a prime example. I think the police were to, as much to blame, if not more to blame. Um, what happened there, it was the, the late goals. They should have been prepared for that. They weren't prepared for it at all. Um, I, I think all the intelligence before the game suggested that Hibs had, had, had a, a, a plan to go into the pitch if they won it. Um, and yet what happened was we were blamed afterwards uh, by the daily record. Uh, for blocking police vans and what have you. It's a nonsense. And this is something that we need to try and get on the front foot on because with the um, Offensive Behaviour Act, 
being repealed. You can be guaranteed there's people out there wanting to to go after Rangers again. And um, this might not be a, an early example of it, but it's certainly an example of the, of the police changing the way they're doing things. And um, we need to to make sure that we, we're, we're tackling this head on as quickly as possible. You mentioned the offensive behaviour of football actors, Stuart. Uh, and that people might now be coming after after Rangers because of that act being repealed. The issue with James Dornan through the week, you know, this this ridiculous day that he, I'm not even going to give it its proper title, but for him to go public with that email that he received, again, does that not just add fuel to the fire? Because in my opinion, if, if I was a serving uh, MSP and I received an email like that that he claimed that he received... Uh, you know, advertising this day on the, the 1st of May. But, you know, just go to the police with that and keep quiet? Because the way I see it now is he has made that public, no that's now public knowledge. And any Bampots out there might actually say, well, you know what, on the 1st of May, I'm going to partake in this day. Even although, you know, and they wouldn't have if it hadn't been for James Dornan. So, you know, these people would now have a responsibility as well to sort of be careful what they're doing and, and, and what they're putting out there in the public domain. Absolutely. And this is the, we can have this in the same conversation when we meet with the police. I mean, these guys, uh, Dornan, um, he's not the only one. Uh, Peter Grant um, is another one. It doesn't always go down political lines either, um, I hasten to add, before we get people complaining. Um, but it's these guys are adding fuel to the fire. There's no doubt about it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that email or letter what you purported to receive it isn't genuine. It's made up by somebody else because there was a similar um, anti-Muslim event supposedly being planned. I'm not even sure if that was genuine or not either. So, yeah, well, sure. Actually, I, I, I was watching the thing about the, the sort of smash a Muslim day mm -hmm. the night before Dornan went public with that. It was on Scotland Tonight the night before. Mm -hmm. And I actually said to myself, it's just a matter of time before someone makes up another version of it and sure enough the next day Dorman came out with it. Yeah, it's, it's, as I say, it's predictable um, and we need, it needs to be highlighted and the media won't do it because the media are just as bad. I mean, we've mentioned Spears and we'll mention them time after time. Um, in the future, these guys, they, they stoke the flames. It's an industry. These guys make money from it and it's the same with the charities. Do good work. Let's not cut ourselves on. No by mouth. There's a lot of good work. We can all slag them off and criticise them. Um, some of the work they do in the schools is good. Celtic Rangers do good work as well with their initiatives. So it's not all bad news and and sort of take the money. But at the same time, there's the journalists that, that, that refuse to discuss the issue objectively. And unfortunately now, it's, it's even worse when it's politicians are doing the same. I mean, we all want to get rid of sectarianism. We all want to get rid of racism. Racism, and some of the stuff that we've seen in the last week or two with uh, Hamza Yousaf is is terrible. And yet, at the same time, he's got people in his party, Colin Ranger fans, Huns, and you you won't you, you won't engage in it. So I mean, who's a hypocrite here? Is it is it football fans, or is it polit politicians, or is it journalists, or maybe we're just all hypocrites? I think. Frankie, you're right there to say this is this whole day that's been advertised there on, on the 1st of May, this is not an event. This is not a thing. It's been made up as a joke, either by 
you know, you know, a Celtic fan who's looking to cause trouble, or just a daft guy who's looking for a wee joke that's fallen flat and is not remotely funny. Um, Dorman knows this. Of course, he knows it's not a real thing. No one is actually going to go out and partake in this activity. So him releasing it like this is calculated. This guy has previous because I'm sure it was him who, you know, kind of quoted um, our good friend Phil Three Names out in Ireland, who was obviously blogging away a, a year, year and a half ago about the, the roof at Ibrooks. And Dorman tweeted that obviously there's serious concerns about supporter safety and should Ibrooks be shut. So it's kind of an abuse of power almost that an MSP would be doing that kind of thing. So he's got an agenda. He doesn't like us. Um, and he kind of abuses his office to he's put this out to spread a negative um a negative message about the big bad Rangers fans yet again. This was never gonna happen. It actually been the 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 flyer itself, I'm sure, had been floating around Twitter for a wee while. So I don't believe for a second that he's been emailed it by anyone. He's picked it off Twitter and he's tweeted it to to spread a, a particular message about Rangers fans. Um and it's been lapped up. It's been lapped up in part by the media, but it has been lapped up hugely by Celtic fans, as we knew it would and as he knew it would, and that's why he did it. But these Celtic fans that are lapping it up and saying it's inciting violence and it's inciting religious tension and religious hatred, these are the same guys that had a banner at Ibrooks that said, kill all Huns. These are the same guys that dressed up a blow-up sex doll as an orangeman and hung it from the rafters. So... Some guys made a joke flyer, which is not funny and is not to be commended and it should be condemned. Rightfully, it should be condemned because it's a stupid and actually quite disgusting thing to think up. But the full outrage and the mock offence that's been taken by a group of fans that actually had an effigy of a Protestant guy hanging from a stadium and we're inciting religious hatred. It's just, I'm not, that, that's not what aboutery. That's not me, you know, saying, well, what about them? Look at what they've done. It's just stupid. Can't disagree with you there at all, Ross. I, I mean, the whole I find the whole thing really frustrating. And the sort of moral outrage that was displayed by our sort of separated brethren across the city. You know, a lot of these guys who refer to themselves as hun scalpers, you know, acting outraged at this day that, as we both know, or sorry, as we all know, isn't a thing. It doesn't exist. Uh, my only fear is it might be now there might be some bams out there who, who, who think that this is a thing and, and go out and get involved in stupid things great stuff there again guys uh, with regards to Saturday's games guys did you, did you both watch it on the BT coverage I did yes did I I didn't see or hear all the um, the half time analysis and I turned it off at full time because I was in a bad mood but um, yeah, I, I, I did watch the game on BT Sport. It's it's like a weekly thing now. Well, not weekly, but every time Rangers are on sort of BT and Sky, if you if you, you sort of view the comments on Twitter and stuff about the sort of standard of, of punditry, and uh, I mean Sutton was at it again on on Saturday, and Andy Walker is there's there's only there's very few things I hate more than ScotRail, and Andy Walker's one of them. I mean, he's the the, the level of, of, of of punditry is, is, is gutter level. You know, I mean, he's basically a Celtic fan. Uh, I almost imagine him sitting there with his scarf on making his comments. Is there anything? Sorry, sorry, you both shut. I, they're, they're both pretty, pretty poor to listen to. I mean, 
something especially he dislikes a, a polemic, doesn't he? He, he, he sees the the, the, uh, the controversial thing and just to get a reaction. It's particularly bad on social media. When he's actually on the TV, I didn't mind him quite as much. Certainly when he's doing the summarising during the match, I think he's a wee bit more fair than what he is when he's on social media and when he's doing columns in the papers. He's, he's, he's hopeless at that. He's really... Um, really lacks objectivity. I didn't think he was too bad on Saturday. I think initially, for example, I, I, th- I think he, he criticised the Motherwell player at the penalty and I think he was a bit surprised at the referee booking Morelos as well. So I thought he was, wasn't too bad. Cregan, I didn't really like either. I mean, he's, he's it's, it's quite quite strange actually that they have Cregan and obviously they have Chris Boyd on as well and they've been, both been quite critical the players and referees and yet they're both employed clubs. I think Craig, what's he done under 19 or the development uh, coach at Motherwell and Boyd is obviously buying, still buying goals in for Kilmarnock yet they seem to be able to say and do what they want about other t- uh, players and teams and referees without any sanction. It's a bit strange at times but no, it's 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 hard to listen to or watch certainly in the KCBT and Sky um, the radio is just as bad. I mean I, I grew up listening to the radio you know, obviously when I was a bit younger I'm, early 40s now, uh, you didn't have all the live TV, so it was, you had Radio Scotland or, or, or nothing. Um, those days, I think it was Tam Ferry and Derek Ray, actually, and, and it used to be quite good. But now, um, Radio Scotland is just as bad. It's the same guys covering the same poor, poor analysis week after week, and it's 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 really, really disappointing. And I, I feel sorry for guys that, that, um, that kind of get along to, to Ibrox especially because there just isn't any decent coverage. Yeah, I mean, I myself, I live down in London. So a lot of the time, this is how I how I see the games. Obviously, I get to as many games as I can. Um, but a lot of the time, I'm I'm stuck watching it on, on Sky or on BT. I think Sutton has a history of being deliberately incendiary and, and just looking to wind people up and get a reaction. Actually, it's probably not exclusive to Rangers fans, although he's got a particular talent at being annoying and just saying things to wind up Rangers fans. In a way, it's kind of surprising that, that anyone would actually employ a guy who who said the words, well, we all knew that Dunfermline would lie down to them when we won the league on the final day all those years ago um, and hire him in a capacity where he has to be objective. But I suppose for every critical email that a Rangers fan will fire into BT Sport saying, why have you hired this goon? There'll be 10 Celtic fans praising him. So he's uh, he's divisive and he's um, he gets people talking. So I guess BT Sport get their money there. Um, I actually was surprised. Obviously, we had Ali McCoist doing commentary for co-commentary for the game this weekend. Um, obviously Ali McCoist who's a playing legend managerial not so much of a legend um, and has made some strange decisions and some strange actions in the time since but I I was surprised at kind of how unprofessional McCoist was doing his co-commentary asking kind of asking his co-commentators quite basic questions he didn't really seem prepared he was almost there just because he was a name and I didn't really thought he brought much to the party Um, but I suppose you know, if you've got Crags and you've got Sutton, then you need a, a token Rangers voice. And who else to get? Who's better to get than Ali McCoyce? I would, I would agree, Ross. I, I find McCoyce a bit of a conundrum at times when he when he does his punditry, and it, it sometimes feels like he's there purely as a 
you know, someone to go against Sutton. You know, that it's almost like they seem to be deliberately provoking, you know, issues and topics so they can have a, a sort of a mini shouting match at one another. But the thing that really gets me and that really disappoints me is, you know, when you when you I know there's a lot more money down there, but when you watch the standard of punditry, uh, especially at Sky, I think, you know, I mean, someone I know I know he's been suspended and all the rest of it now, but I, I've always found the likes of Jamie Carragher really honest. You know, it, even although he's he's a, you know, he played for Liverpool and you know that's obviously where his loyalties lie. I've always found him. In fact, in his last game against Man United, it was as, it was as honest as the, the, the day is long. You know, he basically said Liverpool didn't deserve to win. Not enough on the day. Man United, better team. They deserve the three points. I, I, I just don't see that sort of level of honesty. And up here, it's, there's, there's always, you know, it's almost as if a lot of these pundits just follow their, their, their club loyalties and form all their opinions based on that. And I just, I just find it really frustrating. And I feel for a lot of fans because, obviously, especially away games, not everyone can go to the away games because there's only X amount of tickets available. You know, what other alternatives are out there? I mean, I know people watch games on, on, on the, the web and stuff like that, but I'm always, I'm a bit of a technophobe. I'm always a bit scared to do that because, I'm, you know, I, I done it on my boy's phone one day. We, we were trying to watch a game and, like, this warning came up saying it had, like, 17 viruses, blah, blah, blah. So, scrap that. So, I'm always really nervous about, you know, following the games online and stuff like that. So what, what else can fans do? You know, they, they have to sit and listen to these gobshites <laughs> talking nonsense about their team. I know that there's a lot of guys who what they'll do is um, they'll partake in the coverage from Rangers TV using a VPN or a proxy. So there's technical ways of kind of masking where you're logging into Rangers TV from. Um, so obviously, you know, you can't watch Rangers TV, you can't watch the live coverage of the games if you're in the UK or the Republic of Ireland. But there's ways of kind of changing, I guess, your server to make it look like you are out in the sticks somewhere, anywhere in the world. And uh, you can then access Rangers TV and watch it that way. And then you get treated to um, Tom Miller, who I know, obviously, some people don't find the most professional commentator, but I've got a lot of time for the guy. Um, and he'll always give a very passionate, if not always... Uh, unbiased but at least it's biased in the right way he'll always give a, a, a good account of the game I, I, I've got to be honest with you I've never watched uh, Rangers TV I've, I've, I've never I've never went down that route to, to be honest with you if it's, if it's at Ibrox I tend to be at the game anyway it's more the away games uh, although I have you know on YouTube and stuff like that I've seen various clips of Tom commentating and if, if you're coming from the club's official channel then you're allowed to be biased you know what I mean? If Tom Miller was working for BT or Sky, I'm sure plenty of people would be commenting on, on any sort of biased commentary then, but it's 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 the club's official TV channel, so in my opinion, he's allowed to be biased. Uh, oh, absolutely. I think he's I think he does a fantastic job. I think he's really his passion comes through. Um I think he actually feels kind of privileged to be doing the job that he's doing and um I think he's he's really well received by the the vast majority of supporters. Um long may it continue. Yeah, I've, I agree with Ross. I think uh, Rangers TV is your best option uh, through a VPN. Uh, the money still goes to the club because you still have to pay the, uh, the subscription. So um, if you if you don't want to listen to the guys on Sky or BT, um, and you don't fancy Radio Scotland either, um, I mean, who would? 
then the Rangers team you the best way to go. With a bit of luck in the future, um, things will improve. I mean, I've been hoping for years now that somebody like Netflix or Amazon, even YouTube will get involved. I mean, the sports coverage in, in the UK, it's it's really old hat, old-fashioned. Um, you only need to watch, well, listen, listen to, to Radio Scotland on a Saturday afternoon where you have uh, Cosgrove and Cowan twice before the, the games and then after the games and then you have the likes of Derek Ferguson and Alan Preston uh, Chick Bloody Young uh, shouting and blaring uh, over each other uh, for the so-called commentary I mean it's, it's absolutely terrible and I, I can't believe people uh, seem to enjoy it so as I say hopefully they'll it'll improve at some point but yeah Rangers TV is your best option Great stuff guys great stuff uh, just about to wrap things up, you know, we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, did you guys get any Sevco of the weeks this week? To let the listeners know, we're we're going to we're going to have a wee look out there on the, the Twitter sphere and see if we can see any sort of bampottish comments on on Rangers. I, I I've got one, but if if any of you have got one, we'll stick them in now. I did I did see a good one. Um, I think it was on the Kerry Fail account that Ross has mentioned previously in the test um, uh, on on Twitter at Kerry Fail. It's a must-follow. Um, I think there was, the, the, obviously, the, the game at Ibrox last weekend, during the international weekend, we had the Alice team against Walters team, and um, there was a few of the, the younger Rangers players for the development squad were, were featured on the side, and I think one of them was Andy Dallas, and a Celtic player had uh, suggested that was um, the, the referee, Hugh Dallas's son, that was playing for Rangers that day, so he was a bit unhappy, so there was a nice uh, paranoid tweet for you. I've I've seen a cracker as well. Obviously, this week we've had the uh, the kind of news that Dave King is going to be making the offer to buy shares following the the takeover appeal board's ruling, um, which is a you know a big topic in itself. And I'm, I'm sure if we have more time, we could we could spend all night talking about that and its implications. But uh, I saw a wonderful tweet from uh, a Celtic fan saying that. Just to get it up, Dave King, he's gone and bought 10 shares in Rangers so that Dave King has to make him an offer to buy the shares. <laughs> right. And another, as we pals, commented and said, oh, God, how much did that cost you? And he's actually tweeted, that cost me more than I thought it would. <laughs> you guys Aye, that's, really are. There's obsession, there's obsession, honestly. I oh, know. It, it goes above and beyond sometimes. I'm actually grateful that they're out there because it gives me a real laugh. That's true. I had I had an interesting one yesterday before the game. Uh, I, I'd I'd got involved in a sort of bit of a I don't want to say a Twitter spat, but a, a disagreement uh, on the, it was actually about the the hanging effigies, you know, at the the Old Firm game last season. So this guy came and gave me a bit of stick on, on a comment I'd made in that, this Celtic fan. So as I done, I went in and had a wee look at his 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 page, his, his Twitter feed, and. Uh, <laughs> On the day that they, they beat us at Ibrox a couple of weeks ago, he actually text, eh, text sorry, he actually tweeted Neymar to say, "Get it up, you." No, <laughs> and he's he's got a photo of Scott Brown and all the Celtic players at the Brimland Road end, and it says, "Get it up, you Neymar," and he's 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 copied Neymar in. Now the the, the thought that Neymar's a Rangers fan made me made me chuckle, but we all know he isn't. He? So the, the thought that a multi-millionaire playing in Paris uh, who was involved in a team that, that beat Celtic 7-1 and then 5-0 is somehow wounded by the fact that, that Celtic could beat Rangers at Ibrox made me chuckle and I, I called the guy out in it 
you know what I mean? That's because that's embarrassing part of me. Uh, so he wasn't very happy, but aye, they are. They, they, they make my week sometimes. They really do. They're, 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 they're a jolly bunch. <laughs> right, guys. Uh, so that's that for this week. So Stuart Ross, thanks for uh, thanks for your contributions on this first year's net podcast. Great stuff. A special mention to our sound guru who will turn what we've just said into a, a polished product uh, for everyone to download in the following week, and that's Graham Stuart. Next week. Uh, do you know who's on the, the show next week? Next week it will be one or one or two. I think it'll be Ross, yourself, uh, Ross, and it'll be the two Davids. It'll be David Thomason, Pete on the forum, and David Fraser, who posts on the forum as well, Sonic. Um, I'm sure they'll all be looking forward to coming on with Ross. Good stuff, good stuff. Is there anything else coming up in Jersey this week? Obviously you'll have the, the preview of the game, the Dundee game on Friday. Yeah, we'll have our normal preview um, and clearly the, the, the main thing this week's the podcast and I think there might be one or two um, articles about what's happened in terms of the share stuff and there might be more news coming out in terms of share offers this week. Um, it might well be Ross discusses that next week with, uh, with uh, Pete and David. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, so if you've listened to this out there and you've enjoyed it, please feel free to share it on the, the usual forums. Don't forget also that the Jersnet have their own forum, so get on there for some, some quality and friendly Rangers-related patter. Uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. I've been your host this week. Uh, from me, Stuart and Ross, thanks for listening.